0: Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel Comics on sale July 13, 2022. I'm Ryan Pedagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. Yeah. If you are just joining us, we're going to talk about comic books today. I hope you guys are excited. Really? Yeah. It's a good
1: thing I read them all this week.
0: So many comics, y'all. So many. Bangers. Big ones.
1: Oh, bangers for sure. Like I think we both had a... Solid I could have chosen like books. five or six,
0: yeah. without question, and we oh, narrowed it down to three. For sure. But before we get to comics, Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing. It's been a tough uh, a tough week over here at Casa Panagos, but mm-hmm. um, we're making do. We're making do. Uh, Catherine came home from camp today with a drawing uh, mm. of me, for me. Um, hold on, let, me, let me show it to you. I already put it up on my desk, but she drew this. And it's a picture of me, for me. I love it. So, it's a
1: little, a circle and a squiggle.
0: Yep. And with two little dots for her eyes very far apart, uh-huh. like the squiggle is kind of like a mustache. Uh huh. But the fact that she is like drawing pretty good circles and understanding yeah. face and stuff, she's she's getting there. She's been doing varying covers for us. In oh, a I, I
1: can't wait. I can't wait. I mean, hey, look, if Jay-Z can get Blue Ivy to drop a verse on one of his songs, I think we can get her... We can get Catherine Grace to do a variant cover of at least one
0: of these books. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yes. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. Um, it's been a tough couple of weeks with all that's going on in the world, but yeah. I think these comics have helped me kind of you know, escape all of that um, yeah. and just kind of celebrate some other things.
0: For sure. For sure. Another big bit of escapism is next week, by the time everybody is starting to listen to us, the next episode is Comic-Con week. And, I'm so ready. Yeah, I'm going to be there doing stuff, hosting things, talking to people, taking pictures with as many people as I can. So yeah, I'm excited. If uh, any of our listeners are going to be there, please, please, please come find me at the Marvel booth. I'll remind you again next week, but uh, get excited for all of that.
1: I can't wait. I can already feel all the craziness from Comic-Con like, coming. It's just waiting for me. I see that you dressed up for the occasion this
0: week. Yes, I am fully uh, dressed to the nines for the Hellfire Gala because that's going to be a big book for us to talk about in just a few minutes. Um, Yeah. And and who are you wearing, Jasmine? I'm wearing a couple different pieces. Uh, I'm
1: wearing, of course, Janet Van Dyne's collection. It's a vintage 1986 dress. It's a line dress. It's gorgeous. I'll post pictures about it later. Uh, But the jewelry, the jewelry is all Emma Frost.
0: The best. Yes. All right, let's get into things because this is the official Marvel podcast for Marvel Comics, where we run you through every single Marvel comic released in a given week. We pick a couple of books as our favorites, the ones that we say Please spend your money on these because we love them. Then we pull a quote from a comic. We turn it into an award and we give awards to all the comics out this week. We talk about what's hitting Marvel Unlimited, including the Infinity comics, the vertical scrolling issues that you can only read on MU, We tell you what collections are out, and we even do a reading club with a special guest. What's the show this week for a reading club?
2: Yes,
1: we are talking to Jason Lowe. You guys have been asking for this, a reading club that focuses on the multiple man, Jamie Madrox. Um, and we're going to be talking about his short story in the X-Men Unlimited Infinity comic called Downtime.
0: So exciting stuff there. Looking forward to getting to that. Before we do, let's talk about some brand new comics and our picks of the week, starting with... Avengers, X Men, Eternals, Eve of Judgment, number one. Um, yeah, this is this is a big <laughs> one. This is uh, a big summer crossover, and this is the sort of unofficial official kickoff to it because this is not the X as we're calling it. A- Remember, Avengers, X Men, Eternals. We, we're just going to shorten it to X for the most part. It's not the acts uh judgment day number one issue but it's like the think of it like a number zero issue it sets (laughs) up the stakes a lot of the things the the main players all that stuff so um it's a perfect issue to jump in and get ready for its acts eve of judgment number one written by kieran gillen art by pasquale ferry colors by dean white and lettering and designed by vcs clayton cowles want to give just super duper shouts to pasquale ferry uh Big fan, have been a big fan for a long time. He has his style, which is completely unique and looks of his own. But there are certain times where he goes like a little bit more in depth with shading and with detail. Um, sometimes he pulls back and really relies on coloring and sort of like ephemeral effects. And this one is very much uh, the the former where he's, there's a ton of detail. His line work is is really incredible in here. There's some wonderful facial stuff. And then you add dean white's coloring um particularly on how dean will like shade faces and add depth and shadow and different things to uh, all the elements it's a beautiful beautiful issue it's so and good so um, good
1: and if i could just add one thing uh, yeah. you were kind of talking about how this is an issue zero if for some weird reason you haven't been reading kieran gillen's work over on the eternals this is pretty much the one-stop shop to kind of get caught up or if you don't even know much about the Eternals, like you might be an x-men fan or avengers fan so if you want to get caught up on like what's been going on in that world how they function why this is all happening like do this read this and then go back and read all the eternals issues but that said my first pick of the week is immortal x-men number four and i love it so (laughs) damn much it's Mm -hmm. written by again kieran gillen with art by michele bandini Colors by David Curiel and Letters by V.C.'s Clayton Cowles. And right off the bat, this is an Emma Frost-centric issue. And you get to learn so much about this character in this book and how she's been not only just a, a key player on Krokoa, but like how she's at the center of it and how she's really, really, really trying to for the best of mutant kind and how it just keeps getting fumbled over and over again um, and how she's constantly at odds with some of the other members of the Quiet Council. Further, she is hosting the Hellfire Gala, so we get to see how that the planning stages for all of that goes. We get to see the events that lead up to Hellfire Gala. We get to see an insane scene where she's debuting her look on the red carpet only to have it spoiled. I cried. For Emma there I was like I can't believe that dress has ah. been spoiled oh. it was devastating but this issue takes place sort of a little bit before and after the hellfire gala with one of the major revelations that uh, come out of the hellfire gala x-men issue number one as she presents that to the rest of the quiet council and everyone else is kind of forced to reckon with it it's a huge bombshell it's probably as big as everybody finding out that the x-men are immortal now it's great I mean, we get some great Destiny moments. We get some great Sinister moments. We get some great moments from the rest of the Quiet Council. There's a lot. If you're an Emma Frost fan, you need to pick this issue up.
0: Yeah, so let's just dive right into X-Men Hellfire Gala number one, written by Jerry Duggan, art by a murderer's row of artists Chris Enka, Russell Dodderman, Matteo Lolli, and CF Villa, with uh, color by Rain Barreto, Frank Martin, Matt Mila, and Matt Wilson with VCs Corey Pettit. On lettering duties. Wow, Um, (laughs) it's a like let's just say a gorgeous issue, top to bottom, beautiful, uh, incredibly you know well put together issue. That's without question. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what the Hellfire Gala is, um, it started last year when we had the first one. It is basically uh, the mutants saying we're here, we're proud, we're alive. And we are not stepping back Mm -hmm. and we're going to throw a big party. It's going to have amazing fashion. Come celebrate with us and we'll go from there. First one was uh, as they were sort of saying, hey, and also we're going to make Mars habitable and it's ours. Peace. See you later. And so now this one wouldn't necessarily have a big announcement, but there's a new X-Men team that comes out at the Hellfire Gala. So that's part of the story. Unfortunately, right as all this is going on, Scott Summers, if you've been reading the X-Men book, you know that Scott Summers Cyclops has been dealing with uh the concept that mutants can resurrect themselves and that is, you know, now public. So yes. that has been a huge thing. And uh that kind of sours it a little bit. Yeah, how dare Emma. he
1: undermine Emma Frost's Hellfire Gala?
0: I mean, it has one of our favorite bits. I would assume there's an Emma Frost moment where she's getting her hair cut for the gala. Jumbo Carnation, I believe, because by the by the look of it's jumbo, cutting yeah. her hair, uh, it's Jumbo Carnation. And she's reading the Daily Bugle, which I love the idea that so many people <laughs> in the Marvel universe still read the newspaper. It makes yes. me happy. Read that newspaper. I subscribe to my local paper, the Riverdale Press. Good. Great. Support local journalism. You know, she's reading the Daily Bugle and her her reaction. its a, It's a Chris Anka page and he's got her with these wide eyes and she says, this is how the man decides to bleep me. I cracked up. It's
1: so good. There's so many great Emma moments in this book. This book also brought together two characters and one of them being Emma that I've wanted to see together for the longest time. Like not even just that I wanted to see, I just never thought it would happen, but we get it here. And it's Clea Strange and Emma Frost, just both kind of like both two of the most sassiest, rightfully so, just queens going at each other and just being snippy with each other. And it's just like quip after quip as they each are like just grilling each other and it's like oh i love this so much give me an entire book
0: yeah there's so many incredible moments in here uh our our pal jerry duggan just you can tell he's having fun he, oh, he yes. would have written 150 pages of this if we had the ability that said it is like 60 pages long there's a mm-hmm. lot of variant cover so our our file is like 84 pages long but there's a ton of variants there's so many on this issue so it's something like 50 or 60 pages long uh this issue but where Egg, FKA Gold Balls, he and the rest of the five are talking about they have to sort of like be safe and be away from the gala. And so he's mm-hmm. like, I didn't even want to go to the party. But now that they tell me that I can't go to the party, the party has become my new sexual orientation. I will have that party. Yes. I died. It was so yes. good. And it's, again, gorgeous. The, like two panels later, you have this look from Magic, who is supposed to be their guardian. And she's like, yeah. you'll have to go through me. And it's. Yes. So juicy.
1: As always in true Hellfire fashion, like the fashion in this book, amazing. The guest list on this are right, not just limited to the Avengers, X-Men, and the rest of the Marvel Universe. We get some awesome celebrities. There's a particular scene where Mary Jane is there, and uh, it includes Wolverine and Spider-Man. And all I'm going to say is they they reference Spider-Man
0: versus Wolverine. By Christopher, Christopher Priestin, Priest uh, yeah, M.D. Bright. What a throwback. It is a throwback, a hundred percent, but it's still one of the most important yes. touch points for the those two characters' relations. And I think it's a it's an important character moment for Spider-Man. It's like it's one of those things, Spidey if the way we understand him is plagued and racked by guilt and the thoughts of what he did and didn't do. That is always going to weigh on him.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, highly recommend you pick up that book.
0: Uh, and read our reading club from- Oh, yes,
1: with Christopher Priest.
0: Two or three years ago. I don't even know how long we'll, ago will We'll
1: link it in the show notes for sure.
0: Yeah. Um. But then finally, the last thing
1: I wanted to talk about before we move on, I know we've been talking a lot about this book, but there's just so much in here, it's so good, is a dance sequence between Emma Frost and oh. Cyclops as they are having a telepathic conversation and- I just got to shout out the artist on this. I want to say it's Matteo, but the, the reason why I want to point it out is because the conversation starts as like almost like a fight. If you look at how the pair are dancing, you can see who's taking the lead in dancing. And at first it's Emma Frost, and then it becomes Scott. And that was something just gorgeous to see, to play out in body language, and like to see how that relationship between those two characters has like evolved and gotten to this point. And how their trust and their uh, love has been
0: evolved. This book is great. It's so good. You're going to want to read everything coming out of it. Oh, my God. You're going to yes. want to read Axe Judgment Day. You're going to want to read uh, the continuing X-Men stories. You're going to want to read you know all the, the stuff that flies out of this. It It points us to Amazing Spider-Man issue coming up that we follow, Spidey and Wolverine, where they mm-hmm. go. like. There's a lot. There's um, so much. So. I said it
1: once and I'll say it again. The X-Men. My favorite telenovela in this issue. Yeah. Fully telenovela.
0: Yeah. Uh, with, and in all the best ways. That's yes,
1: great. in all the best ways. I love it. Yeah. All right. Those are our picks of the week for this week. Time to talk about the rest of the books. But before we do that, mm-hmm. last week's award yes. was the Itchy Wool and Stinky Leather Award. And it came from Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor, number two. And we had a winner who came in at like, 8.30 in the morning on a Wednesday. When 8.30 issue... your
0: time, I think.
1: Do shops even early.
0: open up that early?
1: Or our friend Super 7.5 on Twitter broke into the shop because he got it first.
0: Kudos to them. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you once again to Super 7.5. had some you know, really nice words about uh, what we do here on the show, and I appreciated it. And Super 7.5 talked about something that is really important to us, is the like the positivity that we try to enforce here. We're Mm -hmm. not a show that is necessarily going to talk about the bad things, the critical things. We're not like reviewing our comics. We're telling you why we're excited for our Mm -hmm. comics. Yes.
1: And also honorable mentions go out to Steve Agnew at BIK and Prince on Twitter, who also came in a little bit later during the day and found the quotes. And speaking of all the positivity, um, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Kellen Blair, who I got to meet during the opening night of the new musical that he worked on, that he wrote actually called um, It Came From Outer Space. It's based on that old school 1950s classic sci-fi film. And I got to meet his wife, Sarah, who uh, I kept on apologizing to profusely because (laughs) Kellen introduced me to her as, hey, this is the woman who hosts the podcast that makes me buy all those comics every Wednesday. And I was like, I'm so sorry, Sarah. I'm so sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we are enablers. Yeah, it's okay, though. We also got two email answers in here, one from our pal Mitch, uh, who, uh, Mitch, you weren't quick enough, and neither were you, Mike Delp, but I wanted to give you a special shout out because I think this is the first time we heard from you, and I'm glad that you found the line. You got to see some Beta Ray Bill and more, so keep looking for these quotes. All right, um, with that out of the way, what is this week's award name?
1: All right, this week's award name is, of course Oscar Wilde was a mutant. And I decided to pick this one in honor of one of our fellow producers on the audio team, Isabel Robertson, whose birthday it was this week. She's a huge Oscar Wilde fan, and I'm sure she'll be happy
0: to learn that he was a mutant. So good. Uh, that's a great bit. You'll have to go and find it because if you find this quote, screen cap it and tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmineist with hashtag Marvel's pull list or email us at pull list at marvel.com if you're among the first. I will probably DM you or reply to you or send you an email back. And, you know, the more folks take part in this little almost like a scavenger hunt, the more I hear from y'all is just like finding this, the fun Mm -hmm. of being part of it. You know, we have uh, Lex Pendragon, the tech lord uh, who always posts the what the quote is early on Tuesday to, to share with everybody. I love it. It makes me really happy.
1: It also just makes me happy to put names and faces to some of our listeners and locations. I love to find out, you know, where people are listening from. All right. Are you ready to talk about this week's books?
0: Yeah, let's talk about this week's books. Woo! All right. All right. We're kicking things off with Captain Carter number four. I think this is my favorite issue of the series so far. Shout out to Jamie McKelvey, who is the writer of the series, but also the cover artist. And the cover is so good. His standard cover for this issue, he's got like a wanted poster for Captain Carter, but like got a gig poster behind it. It just, it. Uh, I love Jamie's art so much it hurts. Um, on top of that, we get to see Captain Carter fighting side by side with a version of Tony Stark in this alternate reality. So I'm gonna give my, of course, Oscar Wilde was a mutant award to the revelation of what they're fighting, and I I dig it. That is. What I wanted to see, even though I didn't know I wanted to see it.
1: Totally agree. And on that same note, thing that I didn't want to, didn't know I wanted to see, but now I'm super excited to see the next book is Captain Marvel number thirty nine, and it just continues to get better and better and better. Like someone on Twitter reached out to me and was like, "Kelly Thompson just never misses," and I'm like, "Yeah, no, she's just keeps knocking it out of the park. It's great." And in this issue, we get to see Carol Danvers kind of deal with some of that those abilities that she gained uh, in order to fight Ove including learning magic, and she now has to deal with a trial uh, that involves some of the, the world's biggest magic users, including one of the Snapmen. If you've been reading the series, you'll be familiar with uh, the Snapman and their flying cat lizards. But I want to give my, of course, Oscar Wilde was a mutant award to
0: Binary for pulling her punches. I love that book. Could have been a I pick. I love this book. Could have been so a good. pick. Um so good. Another book that could have been a pick if we were doing more than three Daredevil number one. This is the new number one from our uh, our longstanding Daredevil creative team coming back to tell a, a decidedly different Daredevil story than we've had previously. It's not just like, oh, same same old thing with a new number one. No, there's new stuff going on for uh, Matt Murdock and Elektra Nachos. They're both wearing their Daredevil costumes, but uh, this is called the Red Fist Saga. It's actually in kind of like two parts because there mm-hmm. is – the art by uh, Marco Cochetto in one half. And that's the Matt murdock focused stuff. But then there's also an Electra vibe um, that's going on where mm-hmm. we're we're focused mostly on Electra and the art in theres by Rafael della Torre. Rafael De La Torre did the art for the Daredevil Woman Without Fear story that was going on during Devil's Reign. There's a ton of stuff in here that I really, really dig. Again, I would have picked this one. I'm going to give my, of course, Oscar Wilde was a mutant award to the way that Marco draws Matt Murdock. And it's mostly mm-hmm. in shadow through a large yes. part of this. There's, there's a bunch of pages that are nine panel grids. It is scary. I'm just going to say it's scary. It's really cool.
1: It really is. Next up, we have Fantastic Four number 45, which is the conclusion to the reckoning war that Dan Slott has been telling throughout the last couple of issues in Fantastic Four and She-Hulk. And I want to give my, of course, Oscar Wilde was a mutant award to both the artist and the color artist on this book, Fareed Karami and Jesus Arbita. For this, when you first open the book, after you get uh, past the credits page, you get this single splash page um, where we see the Destroyer Galactus combo kind of like destroying this planet and around him we see all of his former heralds kind of attacking him and it's such a dope like shot to open up with um you see thor there my girl frankie ray who i anytime i see her in a comic book i just get super excited we see beta ray bill we see champion uh we see fire lord we see nova and it's just so beautiful it's a stunning page like this is one where i was like I would love to have the like black and white version of this image. Just Cause there's like, I stared at it for hours. Like it was something that I could just keep looking at and find something new in it. Um, every time I look, but even ego is in it. Like what? Ugh. So
0: good. I love ego and Eon and all the weird cosmic things that are out there. Um, yeah, I could have picked this one too. I think Dan 4 years of Dan Slot Fantastic Four is going to read really wonderfully as one big story. I'm going to miss him on Fantastic I, Four. I'm not going to me lie. Me too. All
1: right, I'm going to take the next one. Uh it's Fortnite Marvel Zero War number 2 and if you've been following along with what's been going on over at Fortnite um, you picked up issue number one. This one picks up right where it left off. Uh, lots of action, lots of funny quips uh, and, and fun moments between Iron Man and the commander. Something in this book that I'm going to give the award to that I just did not see coming and was really actually excited to see coming back in this book was I'm going to give my, of course, Oscar Wilde was a mutant award to Serpent Valley, which is a deep cut in Wakanda lore it's only made an appearance once before in this uh in the Marvel universe and that's back in jungle action number 13 that's Don McGregor before the Black Panther had his own solo book so to see that here was wild especially because it's the corner of Wakanda that has dinosaurs like full-on dinosaurs just living amongst the Wakandans
0: all right on to Marauders number four there are so many big moments and things in this book. I. It, there's a lot going on. One, it's so cool. a huge issue for tempo and tempo fans. And like, if you weren't a tempo fan before, you will be now. And explaining how she views time and time travel and that stuff, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Go mm-hmm. big, girl. She rules. Some explanations of like a hidden history of mutant kind on earth That was wild to me. The history of of Shi'ar imperialism, like big things, we get like really cool flashback moments. There's rad stuff with Cassandra Nova who is quickly becoming my favorite mutant hero. I'm like I never thought, never. I you know, sometimes it's like, oh, they turn the bad guys good, and I feel like she's never going to be fully good, but like she's got an agenda and a purpose, and mm-hmm. when she is into that agenda and purpose that she is here. I am all behind her. I'm like, I am now like big time Cassandra Nova fan. And then the last page reveal of a character coming back. I did not expect to see in this year, 2022 or any time this century. Mm -mm. Probably. No. Wow. Wow. Wow, Very exciting. Yeah. I'm just going to give, I'm going to give my, of course Oscar Wilde was a mutant award to Steve Orlando writing hell of a book.
1: Next up is Moon Knight number 13, and I'm gonna give my of course Oscar Wilde was a mutant award to Taskmaster because he not only is a like tactical mastermind, but just smart overall in this book. And like the role that he plays in this book was not what I was expecting. It's fun to see Taskmaster kind of sorta of, be a good guy. Not really, but <laughs> I like I don't want to give away too much, but the way he kind of navigates through this book in the story is very fascinating.
0: All right, we got New Mutants number 27. We are into, I believe, the third part of this uh, Ilyana Rasputin-centric like, storyline, and I love it so much. Big Ilyana Rasputin fan here. Magic is one of the best. And this one is extra super duper cool because it like dives very intensely into the classic Magic Limited series from the '80s that uh, we did a reading club with Leah Williams like two two or three years ago, and seeing how the team comes back and and looks through things is amazing and takes new spins on it and sort of looks at the elements around it, what it means for a young Ilyana and a grown up Ilyana. Um, I don't want to give too much more away. I will say my of course Oscar Wilde was a mutant award goes to the uh, Colossus and magic relationships in here.
1: Oof, I love that you added that at the end of that because yeah. it's necessary. All right, next up is Punisher number four. And this issue starts to navigate towards a lot of the questions that people have had about this new iteration of Punisher. And it does it in a very interesting way. I want to give my, of course, Oscar Wilde was a mutant to the creators of this book. I wanted to just say Jason Aaron, but the book is by Jason Ayres. Jesus Saiz and Paul Azaceta, because there's this fascinating conversation in the middle of this book between the high priestess and Ares, the god of war. But it sets up a lot of questions that one, the readers want answered as well as Ares wants answered. And if Ares wants something answered, he'll get the answers one way or another. And we get to see a lot of that in this issue.
0: All right, we've got Savage Avengers number three this week. Thulsa Doom is the big bad here, even bigger than the Deathlock that's in this. Thulsa Doom, Carlos Magno draws some really creepy, scary stuff around Thulsa Doom. But I'm going to give my, of course, Oscar Wilde was a mutant award to the last page and seeing what's kind of going on with the Deathlock there. It was a wild one.
1: All right, next up we have Spider-Man 2099 Exodus issue number four and... The thing that I really enjoyed about this book, and the thing that I keep enjoying about this book, is seeing all the different twenty ninety nine versions of different characters because they're usually not, you know, the the same heroes or villains that we've seen in you know our our normal universe. And one of the relationships that I liked seeing in this book that I'm going to give my, of course, Oscar Wilde was a mutant award to, is to the relationship between this version's Hawkeye and this version's Black Widow, because those two characters have had so much history in our universe. And to see it play out in these new iterations, to see some of that baggage still be there, and also kind of to see how these characters have evolved over time. Like, I'll just put it plainly. Like, Hawkeye, not a great guy in this world. Like, he's kind of evil. Um, So it's just fascinating to see how the dynamic between these two characters have changed. Also, love that Black Widow 2099 is, like, anti-tech. Like, she is very much old school, like, analog only. And I love that. Yeah.
0: Uh, we've got Spider-Punk number three up next. And Jasmine, do you want to talk about this one? Because yes. this was you had this as one of your picks and we we're like, we're only doing three this week. There's too many dang books.
1: I know. I, I adored this issue. Again, one of my favorite things to see in alternate reality books is to see different versions of our favorite heroes. And in this issue, we get uh, introduced to a new Daredevil who happens to be a drummer. Her name is Matea Murdoch, which is awesome. She's Latina. She speaks Spanish, which I thought was really cool. But the thing that I found fascinating was that the decision to make her a drummer—it makes sense from what we know about Matt Murdock in our universe. He is blind, but he uses echolocation to see. And in this issue, we see how that carries over to a drummer. Like, of course, like you could use your drumsticks and see what's going on around you. But also, those happen to be her nunchucks—the same ones that. Daredevil or Matt Murdock in our universe uses. Like, it's just a very clever one-on-one carryover. And she's just so badass. I thought she was such such a cool character. So she definitely gets my, of course, Oscar Wilde was a mutant award
0: this week. All right, we've got a pair of Star Wars books out this week. Star Wars Bounty Hunters number 25 up first. This is the Knights of Ren versus uh, a core of our Bounty Hunter crew. It's a rad fight. I dug this issue. Uh, I'm going to give my, of course, Oscar Wilde was a mutant award to a moment where a character named Tasu screams, wait, in the middle of the fight, grabs his shirt and jacket, rips it off and says, All right, I'm ready to battle now. And then in his native language says to kind of himself, he is not that muscular talking about Ren, the the leader of the Knights of Ren. I laughed out loud. It was a rad moment. We get big ab fight. Uh, Give me all the big swole boys just trying to cut each other. And I'm for it.
1: Next up, we have Star Wars The Mandalorian number one, and it is a direct adaptation of the television series. So if you read this book and if you've seen the series, you'll see some things that are pretty familiar. But the thing that I loved was even though this was an adaptation, one of the things I like about comic books is the reader gets to set the pace and like you get to determine how long you are in certain spaces, whereas television, like it's decided for the audience. And this allowed me to kind of just absorb everything that was happening in the background, really look at, take a look at some of the characters, some of the other aliens that are like, you know, in certain locations. But I think that the person who I'm going to give my, of course, Oscar Wilde was a mutant award to is Rochelle Rosenberg, who you can just tell is having so much fun with the colors in some of these scenes, Um, especially because I'm sure she's seen the show and the way she just colors some of these pages and like uses them to like really accent depth and have fun with a lot of the like the different alien creatures that are there. And oh, it's just gorgeous. The palettes in this book, beautiful.
0: All right. Last new book of the week. And this in in any other week would have been on my list. It is so freaking good. Also, so we picked it like the last two or three times it's come out. We, we can't. Just, yeah. It just feels like we can't. But uh, know that it is an honorary pick of the week. Wolverine mm-hmm. number 23. Just Benjamin Percy, Adam Kubert, uh, Frank Martin and crew just throwing elbows and knocking everyone down with the pure chaos and joy and heart in this mm-hmm. issue. The thing about it, you've got Wolverine and Deadpool slicing and cutting each other, slicing and cutting robots, like, arguing with each other, but at the core of it are two people who are friends, sometimes begrudgingly, yeah. but they do get along, and they're doing things for people they love. Mm-hmm. There's I, there's a million things i could give this to give my award to uh, i could give my of course oscar wilde was a mutant award to the double page sort of like isometric perspective spread of so cool. the uh of the xavier mansion of the you know the x-men mansion where the wolverine and deadpool are going through i could give it to the dangers reasons for what she's doing throughout this issue and this storyline i could do it to deadpool's reasons for what he's doing and why he does it and the resolution to that i can give it to the last panel and the last couple of moments which is exactly what i needed yes it's such a damn good series such a great issue it's like people at the creators at the top of their game making excellent excellent comic books about slicey dicey broken men
1: yeah. This is just them doing extra laps. Like it's not even like yeah. them just like running and doing their job. It's like, all right, let's 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 just add, you know, icing on the cake. Now
0: I'm going to give it my, of course, Oscar Wilde was a mutant award to a uh, double page spread that you have to read. Ver- like you have to turn the book 90 degrees to read it. And the revelation of what's going on with Deadpool and Wolverine in this, it is a nightmare and funny and wonderful. And that, dear friends, are all the brand new Marvel print and digital comics this week. But we do have even more because Marvel Unlimited is a treasure trove of new content every week. Those books hitting the service that were first released three months ago include Black Widow 15, Marauders number one, Moon Knight number 10, Spider Punk number one, X Force Annual number one, X Men Red number one, She Hulk number three, Devil's Reign number six, Strange number two? Oh, man. And of course, we have collections out this week. You want omnibuses? We have one, two, so three, four, five, six omnibuses on sale this week. <laughs> some uh, classic Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor by Jason Aaron, uh, some Onslaught, and even more. Ooh, New Warriors classic yeah. omnibus yeah. volume one. Man, if I was an omnibus collector, I would be thrilled and I would not have a lot of money, but it would be worth it. All right. It is time for our reading club once again. Jasmine, who are we talking with? We are talking to Jason
1: Lowe about a Jamie Madrox, a.k.a. the Multiple Man-centric story. It is a story called Downtime that takes place in a couple of issues of X-Men Unlimited uh, Infinity Comics over on Marvel Unlimited. So if you don't have Marvel Unlimited, now's your chance to get it and dive in with us.
0: (laughs) All right, Jasmine, it's time to get multipled with it. Is that a thing that people... That's definitely sure. a thing people say or when they talk know, about Jamie let's, Madrox. Oh, let's
1: get uh,
0: multiplied? Ooh, oh. yeah. Let's get multiplied and talk about uh, Madrox the Multiple Man with our guest this week, Jason Lowe. Jason, how are you?
2: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, you know, long-time lurker, listener of this <laughs> podcast, and... Yeah, I just can't believe I'm actually on this episode talking with you guys. This is awesome. That's awesome. Talking about for my us. favorite character.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Woo! I'm curious why is the multiple man one of your favorite characters?
2: Growing up as a only child, reading some of like the early 1990s Peter David X Factor issues with Jamie Madrox, and, and and there was like a lot of moments where I, I could just relate to just being an only child and just, just trying to keep myself busy when I'm alone. And yeah, the, the, there was like that time, what, that episode where the the X-Factor team is talking with Doc Sampson and he talks yes. about just like that's just seeking Factor attention. X-Factor
1: 87, baby, that's one of my favorite yeah. issues
2: of all time. <laughs> actually have the issue right here with me oh whoa <laughs> yeah That's so cool uh it, yeah it's, it's it's so good and then there was also like some other parts in that series where like moira mctaggart i remember like she was like just hanging around jamie madrox's uh apartment or like just his empty room like after he died from the legacy virus and she was going on about like how he's like always oh, the happiest when he's alone I was like you know what like I do feel the same as well like that's that's me
1: so the reason why we we decided to bring you on it was because of Jamie Madrox like it was a story that you did for X Corp but I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about that and how that came to be
2: this was like maybe eight years ago I decided to come up with something very clever for a Jamie Madrox story and why not tell us a multiple man story told in multiple ways kind of like a choose your own adventure so this was like a fan comic i did for fun shared it on twitter some of my friends like ryan north like who's also from toronto and, and chip sadarsky they they retweeted and liked it and, and try to like spread the word about it but nothing came about it until like maybe eight years later actually like last year was it that's when uh, a friend of mine shared it to Dan Slot, and Dan Slot was like, "This is amazing," and he retweeted <laughs> it. And then the senior VP Tom Brevoort <laughs> found it, and uh, and he was like, "I don't know how we're gonna use this, but I gotta have this in our book." <laughs> and, and and yeah, he reached out to me, and and then uh, introduced me to like a bunch of editors, and and gave me the opportunity to to work on my favorite marvel characters and yeah one of them was was Jamie Madrox
0: um, let's get into the Madrox of it a little bit, because, Jasmine, you mentioned a little bit about seeing something on TikTok. But we also, a message from Michael Forster, who suggested some topics for our reading clubs, which we we're so excited for. Um, aside from Abigail Brand, there is a Jamie Madrox reference in there. And so that was kind of fortuitous timing, because, Jason, you've been working on some Infinity Comics for us. Um, mm-hmm. You've done uh, a three-issue story about uh Jamie Madrox and uh some of the people close to him. Um so I think that's a perfect way for us to dig into a little. Jamie we will talk about that as our reading club, but I would also, you know, love to hear some of your other favorite Jamie Madrox stories from over the years.
2: Yeah, we're we're working on a Jamie Madrox mini series, I, I I guess, like a like a multi issue series. Like that that's that was a dream for me. And this opportunity, like I, I got to thank Marvel's associate editor, Lauren Emerow, who reached out to me out of the blue asking if I would like to write and draw five issues of X-Men Unlimited. I, I got to pick any X-Men what was available, pretty much. Like I could have drawn Wolverine or, or Cyclops, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm going for like my main man, my, my favorite guy here, multiple man. And I was like, is it possible if I can like take three of those issues that you're allotting me to do like a three part Jamie Madrox and strong guy being stranded in the middle of the ocean where they're the only option they have is to just catch up with each other because like they've gone through so many things individually as a group. Let's have them catch up with each other. <laughs> I love that that is one of the through
1: lines in this book. Like, obviously, there's an adventure that happens throughout these three issues. But the line that goes through all of these issues is like their enduring friendship and like catching up, but also kind of like, like their lives have changed since, since like the last time we saw them together. And like, how do they each react to the, the recent changes? Or like, even like, I think Jamie's powers were learning about them, like, in newer ways and how they work, I think your story did a lot of that uh, in X Corp Number Three. When we look at this, like it, it, we bring some of those elements back into it, right? Like, let's—I wanted to dive into the first issue of this uh, X Men Unlimited Number Twenty-One. And the, at the beginning, we see Jamie, like you know, setting up a picnic with his wife and his, his son, Davey.
0: You also say just wife, but it's Layla Miller. It's Layla New, Miller. There's like she knows you know. stuff. She knows stuff,
1: but like they're setting up, and like they're he's like talking about how you know he not only wants to like give them their full attention, but also like he's gonna go hang out with Strong Guy, or his copies are going down there by the the, the beach to go dive into the water and go uh, jet skiing, which I thought was a great activity for Strong Guy to do because he looks hilarious on that little <laughs> itty bitty bike.
2: It was uh, challenging for me to to try to keep his size. And uh the jet skis consistent with each other because, yeah, there, there's this one panel where he's carrying both of their jet skis, yeah. one on each arm, which I thought that was kind of fun to see. Yeah, like L- Layla Miller is like she's the one that's keeping Jamie grounded with family life, not like grounded as punishment, but more grounded as uh, a person and uh just showing responsibility and ownership with what he has at the same time. You know, he he double booked himself <laughs> uh, <laughs> with Strong Guy, and, and Strong Guy was also thinking that he was he was gonna get the genuine article, but it turns out it's just one of his very eager to please dupes uh, that that's hanging out with with uh, Strong Guy, and yeah, and of course Str- Strong Guy uh, he's just very peeved by that, and and that already like just kickstarted hangout time to like an awful start.
0: Before we get further into this issue, I want to do a little bit of groundwork for anybody who doesn't know Jamie Madrox. Um, Jamie Madrox is a mutant. He has the ability to create duplicates of himself. You know, it's, it's fascinating because he can create duplicates of himself when he, he's like basically physically impacted. There's a great panel that you had where he like smacks his hand. Mm-hmm. And like he does this fist into his, uh, into his palm and that creates a duplicate. There's so many ways to do it and it leads to a lot of fun moments, but not only does he create duplicates, there's, you know, the the comic booky business of whatever that duplicate is like wearing or holding also gets duplicated, which is fascinating and a cool thing. The duplicates all they hold the memories of themselves, but also the like the main Jamie. And so Jamie can absorb them. And then like that is one of the things that I've thought about my entire life Yeah, of like. If I could make five duplicates, then go out and do stuff, and then at the end of the day, I absorb them all and get that knowledge and do all that stuff. I could then play video games all day, and that is Great. all I really want. He must have like a
2: a very massive brain capacity to have so mm. much memories and of yeah. these skills that he's obtained. Like I I don't know how he does it, but I, but I guess that's his mutant power too. Like that plays into an effect.
0: Yeah. Um, and Jamie first appeared in Giant Size Fantastic Four issue number four uh, way back in 1974, um, November of 1974. And so he's been he's been, um, you know, in the the mutant canon for quite a long time, um, showing up in Uncanny X-Men a little bit here and there. Um, and then it was I feel like it was there's the Muir Island saga that happened in the X-Books and he was there. And then shortly after that, he was in the um, the retooled X Factor book. Yeah. Um. Jason, do you know the comedian Chris Gethard? Someday we're gonna have to find a way to connect you to Chris was reading like us at the time. He was a huge Jamie Madrox fan and was reading X Factor and then Jamie dies. And it just it was like a devastating thing for Chris. And he wrote a letter to Marvel uh, and it was printed in a future issue. It was printed in like 103 or four or something yeah. like that. Um but he that, cried. He yeah, talking about old Man. Died. Yeah, he was <laughs> oh, devastated. And and Chris is a hilarious comedian and podcaster and writer and performer and um you know I've talked to him about it a couple of times. It's uh it's a fascinating thing. And like, you know, Jamie's one of those characters. There's something about him that really affects people.
2: Yeah, for sure. And especially when it's when, when he gets to lead his own team in his own series X-Factor for like 21 volumes uh with x-factor investigations like th- there's this niche fan base and i'm definitely one of them that that was following jamie madrox uh and and a whole gang with like wolf's bane and layla and and siren and yeah there was a, a lot of wacky things and i don't know if like some of it like has aged well or not but it, it's been a wild journey and and i do i i still hold all those trades in, in, in my bookshelf, just looking at them, I just just remembering the, the fun times I had reading through all those adventures.
0: Let's dive back into downtime. The the, the story you writ you wrote, and I don't want to make sure we mention um, you wrote it and drew it, and this is in the X Men Unlimited Infinity Comics series. Um, mm-hmm. It's issues twenty one. 27 and 34 as you read for any of our listeners going through as you read you'll see hey this is going to be continued in this issue as they go through it but um if you easily want to pick those up it's great one of the things that i i really dug are just the simple moments of storytelling of jamie and strong guy stranded out uh, <laughs> out to sea and like little body language things the way that guido is is leaning over the, uh, the jet ski when he's got his arms back, he's relaxing. Like they those things are, it's so important. And I think you do it really, really well of like showing those, those subtle movements and reactions and, and storytelling through body language is really important. Just as important as the giant big action when Monet and angel fly in and the, the friggin' Island is flying. It's like, all that stuff is great too, but you can't have those big giant moments in a Marvel, you know, mutant comic, without some of those subtle, quiet pits, too, that was great. It,
2: it, it's it's all about acting. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, that that brings a lot of heart, and uh, you know, it, it's it's all about just just yeah, looking at myself in the mirror or just taking photos of myself of like how I would deliver this kind of dialogue. That's what I love about getting to to draw out the story that I'm writing because like I'm very particular about how. I want these moments to come across to make them feel genuine and, and to make the audience, the readers, like, actually feel something from these characters. And And I think uh, people will, will feel that in the second part of downtime. Mm-hmm.
1: I was going to bring that up because there's there's a particular moment. I mean, speaking about, like, acting and, like, things happening in the background, there's one one moment in the second issue where I, like, caught it where you see bubbles kind of like coming up on in one panel. And then like in the next panel, you see the attack from these guppies, uh, tadpoles. It's just like the small details in the background like that, that I really appreciated. And like, especially with an infinity comic where there's not a whole lot of room. Uh, there's like, it's, it's a very like vertical scroll type comic. So like seeing that type of stuff play out, uh, throughout the issue was really fun, but I wanted to stay a little bit more on track with the first issue and kind of talk about this, the story as it unfolds. So while we have the main uh, Jamie Prime on the island with his family uh, the the dupes and Guy are out uh, jet skiing and get attacked by these like small tadpole creatures, little monsters. I'm curious where this this design came from because they're adorable but also terrifying
2: <laughs> well yeah, that, that was the thing. I, I wanted to just come up with like my own adorable, cute creature <laughs> in a marvel universe and and there's definitely lots of room for that. We got Jeff the Land Shark, and I
1: want a buddy cop issue between Jeff the Land Shark and one of these tadpoles.
2: <laughs> it, yeah, like one actually makes it into Krakoa. So let's cross our fingers that we get to see uh, the tadpole like somewhere in the background. Yeah, I, I might have gone like th- through like five different designs, trying to keep it simple enough because I know I'm going to be drawing lots of them. <laughs> I did it to myself, but I mean, I, I think it was well worth it because that was the story I wanted to tell. So then what we end up getting is like this attack
1: happens. Uh, and then meanwhile, on the X-Corp Island, uh, we have Monet and Angel as well as the Madrox family attacking. And they teleport out. Uh, they teleport the entire island uh, away from what's going on, uh, leaving this Madrox dupe and strong guy stranded in the middle of the ocean. As we make our way to issue number two. One of the questions that I had was this could have been told like in any like there. there's just two people who are stranded. It's kind of like two people locked in a room or two people. Like you know, there's so many different ways that you could have told this story. Why, what made you decide on like, you know, the ocean aspect of this?
2: I, I just wanted to get down to. Jamie Madrox and Strong Guy having this conversation with, with each other. Like, everything else is a bonus. Like, the whole action scene and, and the first part, like, that's that's just to really entertain the readers. But when you break it down, like, I really just wanted to focus on their, their conversation and, and and then to see if they have that dynamic chemistry with each other when action arises and would they be able to to... Fight by each other's side again, so I, I just wanted to sh- to share those moments. I didn't really think about the environments. At the same time, I I didn't want to honor where we had left off with multiple Man. and you know he he's he's still an employee of of X Corp, so you know th- th- this is his vacation time. So yeah, I, I guess that that was partly re- the reason why it took place in in the ocean was because X Corp Island could be placed anywhere in the sea
0: makes sense i also appreciated how it also reflected you have you don't have a lot of runway right like these infinity comic stories you got to get a lot done you're doing it in short bursts but you're able to include a lot of character stuff the little bits with layla the the x-corp stuff that you mentioned where jamie was at but also what the hell's been going on with strong guy there's that like little bit of conversation where yeah um, they're like yeah I was in hell. It's fun, but also like that was a heavy change for strong Guy the those last couple of years where we really saw him and and what went on with him and X Factor. I appreciated that that stuff wasn't just like ignored. It was you brought it up. They talked about it. Maybe we'll get to see them delve into it more. yeah, i was I was happy to see that too
2: when you're playing around with characters like them, like you gotta just play with the cards that you're dealt with. And so I, I try to honor, like, all their past events that they've had and, and just try to remember all the good moments that they had together. Having Strong Guy once being, like, the king of hell, like, that's something you cannot ignore at all. And, you know, like, the last memories I've had of him in, in the later issues of X Factor by Peter David, like, he became a very bitter, angry guy. And it was like, how can we turn this very bitter, angry guy to that likable, aspiring comedian that he was back in in the 90s of X Factor.
1: I mean, you kind of bring some of that humor in this issue. One of my favorite moments in this book is when they are like completely stranded and they're like, okay, let's make our way to, like there has to be an island nearby. We know we're by Monster Island, so let's go there. We can at least try to find land. And as like they're trying to figure out their plan, they realize like they get another one of the dupes shows up after being attacked by these tadpoles jumps on the so jamie dupes jet ski uh jet ski and like as they're making their way out like they realize they're getting tailed by these uh tadpoles he decides to make a duplicate of himself and throws him off board he's pretty much just like i'm bu- i'll buy you some time or i'll buy some time for us the dupe pops out and falls backwards it's like no not like this and then he just gets devoured by the tadpoles i was rolling when i read that like i could not stop laughing
2: There are a lot of dark moments that (laughs) that multiple man bring, and sometimes he's he's not aware of it at the time. Like he 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 thinks it's like a clever idea (laughs) at the time, but like you know when you look back, he's like, no, that that's pretty that's pretty dark, dude. And uh, yeah, I I wanted to bring that side of him, like the whole spectrum of of him.
1: (laughs) As we continue, like they get attacked by this giant monster, this giant kaiju type sea monster. It's named I forgot what it was called.
2: He named it in part three. Uh- <laughs> yeah,
1: he he names it in part three. But the the like going back to the humor of it all, there's a moment where they're all on top and they're getting attacked by the tadpoles. And in the midst of it, they're getting covered. Both Jamie and Strong Guy are covered in their like blood and guts and stuff. And the tadpoles stop attacking them. And I love this moment because cause, like there's no like actual like word balloons or anything yet. When you're just like, okay, why are they like? You can see the babies are like scared or like they're not as like vicious anymore and you're like what is it is it because like they're scared now of these two because of all the like gore that they just saw or is it because and then sure enough like the next word balloon is like jamie madrox pretty much saying like you know it's either because we slaughtered their entire family or because we have all their guts and now they think we're like we have their scent and like now they're friendly with us and i was dying they're just covered in it and guido's like yeah we are covered in their aunts and uncles (laughs) makes sense
2: and for Madrox to say that, like that's like definitely the the scientific side to him, like that's his hypothesis of right. of what might have happened. So yeah, just wanted to to show like that that spectrum of the many Madrox that we see in his past issues.
0: It was for me. I'm a big giant monster fan, so seeing Monster Island and then seeing Zimnu uh, show up here as as like the big bad behind it all, and. Guido's reaction to it all is, is a lot of fun. There you get big hijinks and, and monster battles and uh, a wacky multiple man dupe construction yeah. and, trying their great.
2: best to be a kaiju themselves. <laughs> yeah, they like went like into the like the
1: Power Ranger type, like, let's combine ourselves and make our, a giant yeah. version of us and like <laughs> we'll fight the giant monsters with them. And it's just like Guido climbing the, the multiples and being like, I want to be the head, had me cackling. <laughs> it's Mighty Madrox
2: time. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> On top of that, when when we get to this final issue, we get the, like, we were just talking about the, the big battle, but the the guppy, or the tadpole I keep calling them guppies, but they're tadpoles, uh, come in handy. Uh, they're still following Madrox and Strong guy around, and they end up attacking Zimnu, and essentially ruining his concentration so that he can't mind control them. But, like, Zimnu's, like, Damn, rodents interrupting my concentration. You've dented my chrome cranium. And I I don't think I've ever read anything more ridiculous like that than this. He's got like an eye sticking out of his head. Like it's just the whole panel is
2: wild. Yeah. Can I ask why you decided to pick Zimnu as the big bad? It, it it definitely had to be a villain that was very smart, but also had a, a large tie to Monster Island. And when it comes to like picking like the villain for my stories, like I would always go through like my my Marvel character database, uh <laughs> like the the Marvel essentials of, of like the, the characters encyclopedias and seeing which ones would, would fit that kind of environment until like I I settled for the right one and and it, it was great that like Zimmu like I guess you know, like the last time we saw him was in uh Hulk. And I was like, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if he he retooled himself and now he thinks that he's, like, the new leader of, of all the monsters in, in Monster Island. And, yeah, like, he, he has his own plan and it's working, but Madrox and Strong Guy, like, they accidentally get shipwrecked into that island and mess up those plans. So... Yeah, I thought, wouldn't that be kind of funny? <laughs> As we start closing out this book, we get that final confrontation between Jamie
1: and uh, Strong Guy. And I think it was a really, the way it played out was really fascinating and very clever to kind of show what Jamie's been telling Strong Guy this entire time, um, which is that like, even though it's you're hanging out with the dupe, like, does it mean that you're not hanging out with me? Like, you're still like, I still carry the same memories. We still like, you know, it's it's all still there and at the end when they return they see jamie prime he's like hey like i like this dupe of yours like you should keep him around but like he doesn't even get to finish the sentence before jamie reabsorbs him and he's just like damn it why'd you do that like and then what i liked was jamie turning around and being like oh man that was a lot of fun it's like a moment like it's a sincere moment where you realize oh yeah he's still got the memories like he absorbed all that
2: he's still there Throughout this whole adventure, I wanted to make sure S- Strong Guy would be protecting that dupe, no matter if it's just you know just a dupe or like you know it's 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 not uh, Madrox Prime. So if he can try to make him survive through all the monster fights, hopefully he can save that memory and that meaningful conversation that they had when they were stranded. It's kind of like Strong Guy protecting. An external hard drive in a form of a Jamie Madrox dupe. <laughs> I like that. That makes a lot of sense. And like we do see that
1: moment when they're on top of Crustor fighting. He's like, get behind me, I'm protecting you while his other dupes are fighting.
2: That's really sweet. There's gotta be one. One's gotta survive. Two of the tadpoles
1: survive this whole like adventure and they've become friends with Jamie and Strong Guy, and they both crossed the Krikoan gates and they decided to keep them. I'm curious, like what's can creatures Come through the Lycraean like, gates? Are are these mutants? Like, what are we what are we talking about here? What are we looking at?
2: I think there's a hint that they could be mutant creatures of some sort because they're definitely mm. not in the National Geographic issues that Madrox has has read through. So, <laughs> there's something new for sure, and, and and there's still more to discover about these creatures. So, I th- I think them being able to access a Lycraean gateway kind of gives you that answer that possibly they're mutant creatures
0: i guess we'll have to stay tuned true believers and see hopefully uh you can (laughs) follow up on this even more jason i hope so too jason thanks a ton for coming on and talking madrox um and hopefully we can get you to do that reading list and point out some other great Madrox stories that we can point people to alongside downtime in x-men unlimited and uh yeah keep making cool comics yeah
2: well, thanks for having me, guys. I'm so excited to be on your show.
1: <laughs> this was a blast. But I, I, real quick, before I let you go, where can people find you?
2: Uh, yeah, people can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Jason Lowe, spelled L-O-O, makes comics. So Jason Lowe makes comics uh, on TikTok and Instagram. They can follow me on Twitter at Rebel underscore L-O-O. Thanks again, Jason. This was great. Thanks again for having me.
0: Big thank you once again to Jason Lowe, who came on the show. Uh, Jason is a busy man, so thanks for taking the time, chatting with us, and doing some rad Jamie Madrox comics. Love to see it. As an added bonus, Jason also put together a
1: little reading list for us uh, over on Marvel Unlimited. He picked some of his favorite multiple-man stories from throughout the years, Um, and if you're looking to get some more Jamie Madrox, this is the place to go. He's got everything from the... First appearance in Origin Story to some of the other more intricate stories that have happened over the years. He's the multiple man expert. So definitely check that out. We'll link it below in our show notes if you're interested. Um, and it'll also be available on the Marvel Unlimited app.
0: That wraps it up for us. This episode of Marvel's Pulis was produced by Ryan penagos Jasmine Estrada, and Kara McGurk Allison. Jill Duboff is our director of audio. And Brad Barton is Marvel's Pulis, senior manager of audio production and development. And he was telling me that if he ever got invited to the Hellfire Gala, He would go to his favorite designer Spencer's gifts you know someone should really tell him
1: that's not a place to you know get a designer
0: look he's got a collection of big Johnson t-shirts that would disagree with you okay I'm Ryan
1: and I'm Jasmine this is Marvel your universe